welcome to Let's Get Weirding. I'm Bo North. And I'm Megan Sunday. On this show, we're discussing Frank Herbert's Dune series, chapter by chapter. This episode, we're returning to our book discussion with chapter five, and we're delighted to have as our guest today the host of the Sophomore Lit podcast and co-host of the Click It cast, which is a Beverly Cleary podcast that you should all listen to, uh, our friend John McCoy. Hi, John. Hi, how's it going? Great. We're so glad to have you here. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to be here. Uh, uh, Are you? <laughs> you know, I, I, I get no. I am good. I, 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 I was telling That's Bo okay. earlier that I, uh, I, I've never read this book, and it's a really weird thing because everyone I know in my life has read this book, and I've tried to start reading this book. I think maybe six or seven times, uh, and, and this is as far as I've gotten. I've gotten up to like I think around chapter seven. We'll see. We'll see oh, how far I get. So you're okay. going to keep going. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. That's great. So that's, I mean, that's usually what we like to start off is by asking, like, your familiarity with Dune, like, how you came to, to it. Are you, would you consider yourself a fan? And most people say they came to it through the movie. But, I mean, would that be the case for you? You have familiarity with the movie but not the book? No, actually, I, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with the book. And, mm-hmm. and weirdly enough, um the movie that uh, was was one of those movies that was on HBO a lot, but it was on HBO during the years I was in college. So I I'm not one of those people who saw it in endless reruns on on, on HBO, um, and that's it's strange because I, I I do like David Lynch, I do like Kyle MacLachlan, uh, I do like in, in in theory the idea of seeing Sting parade around in his underwear but uh but i have actually never seen the film partly and and a lot of that is because after long after it was done showing on hbo people would talk about it and say like oh that wasn't really a very good movie and um but i did know the book because uh i grew up a kid in the 70s i had an uncle who was absolutely obsessed with uh, science fiction and what people don't remember is before Star Wars science fiction was really not uh, not the cool kids table <laughs> it was it was really the domain of weirdos and geeks and there wasn't a lot of it in popular culture there was Star Trek in uh, syndication there were a handful of films out there but it was seen as a sort of a dumb debased uh genre and it was definitely a genre where the main delivery was uh paperbacks and maybe um you know still there were there were still things like isaac asimov of science fiction magazine or mm-hmm. analog or those sorts of things out there and i uh, my 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 uncle loved science fiction. My older brother loved science fiction, so I tried to read a lot of science fiction, and I I found it hard. I didn't I I don't know why I didn't I didn't like it. Um, mm-hmm. I tried reading this book, like I said, five or six times, starting I think around the time I was twelve, and I was first told, oh, this is the greatest science fiction novel of all time. And um, it's not uh, it's not an easy book to read when you're 12. And no, then, not. <laughs> and then as the years went on, I, I would I would pick it up from time to time, and 
there are things that that science fiction writing of this era, like the fifties and sixties, do 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 a lot, and this novel does it in spades. There's a <laughs> lot of exposition dumps. There's oh, yeah. a lot of people having con very convenient conversations or convenient thoughts that are supposed to cue the reader into, oh, pay attention to this. There's a there's this whole world building trope of starting your chapters with uh, epigrams, yeah, and 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 they do that here, you know, and 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 it's weird because it seems like every book I read when I was a kid had an epigram at the beginning of it, you know, I like it started with uh, mm -hmm. Watership Down, was yeah. like that, and like I don't know why, when people started doing that, and moreover, I don't know when people stopped doing that, but. Uh, but th this really, like, when I started reading this, I was like, "Oh my God, this is this is this is it. This is the this is that nineteen <laughs> sixties stuff." Um, but you know, I, I I'm 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 plugging away. I'm, I'm I'm more interested in it now than I I haven't been in a long time. And I think part of that is because I'm trying to free my mind from all those stupid literary concerns about whether the characters are uh believable and their motivations make sense and I, i'm just kind of enjoying it for the ride no so you think you were maybe overly critical or looking at it with too much of a critical eye before and not the fact that you were <laughs> 15 and <laughs> totally not equipped for this book <laughs> i think i think i think you need to be a certain age when you you first read this book no, uh, I, I agree. We we actually talked about that, I think, in our very first introductory episode where, you know, I said I didn't get this book until I went back and reread it as mm -hmm. an adult. Yeah, definitely. I, I'll, the other thing I'll say about this was I was a member in the in the in the 80s of the science fiction book club. If yeah. people remember the science fiction book club, which was where you paid uh, your your one cent plus postage <laughs> for 12 books. Right. And I think a copy of Dune was one of my twelve books, but that's long been lost. Uh, my my basement, my family basement, flooded a lot when I was a kid, and I think it oh. got destroyed almost immediately. Well, um, I'm glad that you decided to jump in for us this time. I know I was like, uh, would you consider <laughs> reading this book that you've very publicly said you can't get through so i really appreciate you um you know giving it a shot this time mm -hmm. and we've had some people that it's their first time reading it so it's kind of interesting to see like the impressions that people have just based on like you know what do you know through just like the pop culture osmosis <laughs> kind of just it being out there versus actually like having read it or been like super faithfully reading it for years the way the more dedicated fans are so <laughs> i don't know it's always cool to get different perspectives mm -hmm. and see how people came to it yeah, it's sort of this, this huge thing that is so well known to a very select group of people <laughs> yeah one of the last <laughs> remaining sort of niche i think nowadays you know yeah. Everyone, everyone knows Star Wars things, even if you don't really care for Star Wars. There's so much stuff right. that's just permeated the culture, and the same with Lord of the Rings, things like that. And I feel like Dune yeah. is still this great, the great unknown. 
Well, I think that, that that's all going to change soon because, <laughs> as I said, like, you know, I was just looking at my Twitter feed the other day and you sent me a tweet that was like, you know, I'm not prepared for a mainstream Dune fandom. Yes. <laughs> like, well, there, I think I think it's going to happen. But there was a mainstream Dune fandom back in the 70s. I remember every time Herbert would come out with another sequel, those mm. those books would shoot up to the top of the bestseller list and you'd see them everywhere. Um, whether or not you read them, they were they were all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I think it's, I think yeah the the um, the mainstream bit of it has died down, but mm. it did have its time there where it was very much, you know I think the other thing about Dune is, it it seems to me to be one of those books that's like a a, a baby boomer touchstone. <laughs> it's yeah. like yeah. like all the baby boomers went to college, they read this, they read. Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. <laughs> they read a bunch of uh, Tom Robbins and, you know, I don't, I... Fear of Flying, I guess. You, you I pretty mean... much nailed it. Yeah, I think if mm-hmm. you could go to my parents' bookshelf and pick any five books, <laughs> those would be on there. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. And side note, my parents should not have left Fear of Flying lying around for just any teenager to read. <laughs> now, now, fear of flying. One of these days, I'm I'm going to do that on on my you know on, oh, on 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 sophomore lit from time to time for the bonus episodes. I read trash novels from the past, and one of these years, I'm going to do fear of flying. Except I know fear of flying is actually the least sexy of yeah. the Erica Jong books. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hor- it's a little bit horrifying. So, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Megan, did you want to like get into it with the chapter? Sure. So this one begins with another excerpt from the Dictionary of Maudib by the Princess Arulin, UA Wellington, medical doctor of the Sook School, married Juana Marcus Benny Jesuit, chiefly noted as betrayer of Luke Leto Atreides. I like. I do like that before this character has even physically been introduced, we're just already like, well, all right, we know yeah. what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, they kind of set it up in chapter two, like we already know, because mm-hmm. we've already had like the Harkonnen sitting around and talking about him being the, the traitor, etc. So now we it know he kind accomplishes of... it. I, these these epigrams uh, are, are I, I think, a good example of the kind of uh, world building that I know this novel, people who love this novel are really huge on its world building um they're they're kind of strange though they 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 have you know in in the same way that the whole book is kind of an odd thing because it's science fiction but on the other hand it's this feudal more sort of medieval uh intrigue into this science fiction world Mm -hmm. uh the the locution of these strikes me as really weird i don't I, i have a hard time placing them i mean i understand that they're supposed to be written by a courtly insider to a a interested courtly crowd, but they don't sound like anything that a real person would write. Right. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I but you know that now I'm I I I I've got I've kind of gotten on board after reading a few of these. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, they are pretty bananas. I would say. I mean, some of them read very like. I mean. I don't know. I personally prefer the ones that are a little more personal 
Yeah. I mean, some of them are like this and read like a dictionary and it's kind of, eh, you know, you're not getting any real like context. You're just getting information spat at you. Um, but I kind of like the ones where she gets a little more like gets a little more personal with them. I don't know. I, I mean, I think as far as like world building and setting a tone that it's kind of an effective way to go into each chapter sort of. OK, well, this what this is going to be about. Mm hmm. And I think it's interesting that the the tone doesn't change very much between something like this and the one that she specifically states is for children. It's still right. very like there, <laughs> that one. There's some songs in it. Like as we read this storybook, you'll sing some songs about Gertie Halleck and Duncan Idaho. <laughs> no, we great. don't want to no, sing any mm-mm. more Gertie songs. <laughs> yeah, those are not appropriate for children to rule in. Right. We established that in the last episode. I wish mean, it's way too ribald for children. Yeah. Like they mentioned, like, you know, film books in this. Like, are these, like, are there pictures of Paul in these books? You know, is it like, press here mm-hmm. and see a picture of of Lady Jessica? You know, press here. Right. See a picture I'm of Maracus. I'm just picturing Kindles, basically. The whole time I'm reading this, I'm like, oh, so that's like a Kindle, right? <laughs> <laughs> the thing about these openings, though, is they they also, they, they, they feel like, um... They feel like Herbert's drawing on uh, other stuff that he's heard or seen rather than they, – they, they feel of a type. They feel of a genre to me. And um, mm-hmm. there's th- – I, I'm a, a mixed mind about that as I read through this. I feel like I, I, I like reading something that is kind of committed to a certain stylization. On the other hand, already I've been treated to a couple of scenes that I feel – are not i mean i don't want to rehash what you just did last mm-hmm. episode but oh, no, but, no. but when Good you but, but the last episode ends with uh the that that sparring scene mm-hmm. with 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 gurney um it, it there's a cliche in that scene which is the cliche of the the fighting instructor who is going to um just attack sort of in in a no holds barred like with live ammo and mm-hmm. forces people to come to some sort of a uh realization about himself or the scene and um <laughs> i i'm i'm a i'm a 50 year old man but i but i <laughs> i do do martial arts and uh i have i have done karate and jujitsu and i and i will tell you you don't do that all, f- fighting is not like about inspiration or about having the the most heart or whatever. It's like it's a lot of it is very dull, repetitious. Here's a technique, learn it, and now drill it for forty hours. You know, and 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 it's extremely bad practice to put someone into a situation where they are actually fearful for their life because they will do something stupid and they will mm. hurt themselves or they will hurt you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but that kind of a scene is part and parcel of this kind of genre writing. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there was a scene like that in, and, I, and Beth's going to hate me for this. There was a scene like that mm-hmm. in, in Game of Thrones. Uh, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine <laughs> with it. It's fine. But I'm just saying. Well, I, the thing that's weird about this is, is I as I was reading this through, I'm like, oh, this is where. Uh, George R. R. Martin got all of his ideas because it feels exactly the same sort of, it's like, okay, here's a sprawling world full of palace intrigue and all these different characters who have different interests and we're going to take everyone's point of view. 
um, and 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 uh, and so, but I feel like um, so so I feel like uh, in some ways Herbert is drawing on uh, cliche here, but um, and well, we, he he wasn't like a fiction writer by trade though, wasn't was he? He was a journalist, is that right? Yeah, he was a journalist, but he also wrote. He'd been writing science fiction since the the fifties, I thought. Oh, okay. I mean, you'd probably know better than I would. Uh, I mean, I only know what I read That's in Wikipedia. Hot, half cocked and poorly researched. <laughs> we we never claim to be experts, people. Like, let's just be honest with you. We we as we get into this scene here with with um, how's this pronounced? Yeah. UA. 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 As you as you get into the scene the scene with UA, one of the things that completely jumps out at me from a from the standpoint of um sort of writing style is that we are privy to his thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. and and that it's it's a weird thing. And I, I, I presume this continues through the novel that, that mm-hmm. they from oh, yeah. time to time we get the yeah. characters' things. Through the whole series, pretty yeah. much, mm-hmm. yeah. Or the original series. Yeah, you get like that's where, and as we said, like that's where most of the exposition comes from, is from people thinking things. So that's why it's been a difficult property, like to adapt into film and television, because you know it's really hard to do that without like having <laughs> everyone constantly voiceovering, which exactly. is what we got with David Lynch. So mm-hmm. it's um, yeah, I mean, this is like most of it, and I think that does make it difficult because you're kind of hopping around from one person's head to another um and so it can be such a like tonal shift from one chapter to the next that you're kind of like whoa what just happened right well well certainly that's what uh martin does in game of thrones but to to give a a more literary uh example if you read faulkner's as i lay dying that that's a book that like every chapter is from another person's point of view but it's Mm -hmm. but every chapter in that is um you know first person and it's it's strange to have this omniscient third person narrative that suddenly takes one person's point of view mm-hmm. like this. It's 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 a it's a jarring experience. I think it's an, an interesting choice, and I and I see why he's doing it. He's setting this game up here where he's going to have people in conflict, and we're going to get to evaluate everyone's motivations and everyone's interests and claims. Uh, but it's 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 a little weird to do in third person. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna deny that. <laughs> I mean, I know we never said it was the easiest book in the world. <laughs> oh boy! So, um, should we go through like what happens in this chapter then? Yes. So this chapter picks up immediately after the last one. Uh, almost Still immediately. Still on Caladan. Still yes. on Caladan. Will you move? Uh, uh, Paul is sort of recovering from his training with Gurney. He's gotten a massage uh, and he's just sort of relaxing. And then, of course, Dr. Yue comes in to give him some homework to work on. And... Immediately, Paul can kind of tell that something is up with Dr. Yue because he's doing, he has a lot of nervous tics, which it seems like I guess no one ordinarily in this universe is ever nervous whatsoever. <laughs> because maybe the minute anyone like... taps their hand, like their fingers on something or bites their nails, someone's going, uh huh, 
I see. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh my gosh. They're so guarded at all times. Ugh, and I know exhausting. that this is so much, you know, so much of this is about observation. Like that's really at the core of everything that like the Betty Jesuit do is just their mm. powers of observation. But oh, the idea to just oh, of never yeah. being able to relax. Mm-mm, not ever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Paul doesn't have to do any homework immediately because his dad is coming by, which he's very excited about because he hasn't gotten to see his father uh, since they've been so busy uh, preparing for this endless move. And then in the course of their conversation, Dr. Yue gives him an old orange Catholic Bible and requests yeah, I think that Paul I think keep it's that so a interesting. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no. And just he I tells Paul to keep it a secret. And that's really, it's, it's a very short chapter. <laughs> yeah. I think it's so interesting that like this part of like our culture, like, our, like the whole Catholicism has in its own way, like translated into this universe into this and it's not i'm sure it's not an exact copy obviously but it is still just so wacky to me <laughs> to have to still be dealing with catholics no offense <laughs> i'm married to a catholic so <laughs> we're everywhere yeah you guys are everywhere you're even in the future so <laughs> <laughs> And um, uh, I believe more. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Catholic. That I makes sense. Yeah, I can't, of course, find anything that tells me that because I'm just going to say that like it's a fact, and then someone's going to say, "Actually." <laughs> um, I think it's telling that we once again, even this guy who is actually betraying the family, is like still doesn't tr like has his own like feelings of mistrust towards lady jessica so it's like mm -hmm. we're <laughs> batting zero here guys <laughs> like oh, nobody herbert, wants it. herbert was raised a catholic but became a zen buddhist okay yeah, but this this bible by the way it, it, it's it's not it's not a um it's not a catholic bible it's not even a christian mm -hmm. bible it's just like this like nonsense it's like open to 467 <laughs> kalima it's like yeah. i mean i would know the difference honestly <laughs> It sort of contains, I think it's supposed to be sort of elements of everything that in the future, sure. every like religion has just become sort of a mishmash. Right. Uh, it just seems to mostly be platitudes. <laughs> what if the Psalms were just the whole thing? Right. Well, um, I think it's kind of, I, and this is like way, 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 way ahead in the series. But I mean, we actually get like, there are Jews later in the series. Like that's right. Jewish people, so mm -hmm. it's like I find that interesting that they're that Whole they planets. would yeah have a have a part in this like universe and whereas all the other religions just kind of got mashed together into this like Hallmark Bible. Yeah, I forget when that happens. Yeah, there's definitely a moment where someone's like, oh yeah, there's there's Jewish people. They live on their own planets. Or right. they're like they they keep it secret. And you're just like, oh, I guess that's sort of inclusion. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, as, as Megan, as you said, the, the, this little quotation here is all platitudes, and they're also particularly sort of, I don't know, like new agey platitudes. Because what yeah. he's talking about <laughs> is what 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 can't we perceive? What what you know? 
if if deaf people can't perceive sound, what can't we perceive because we're spiritually deaf or whatever? Which is the kind of you know dorm room at three a.m. <laughs> conversation that you would have. Um, it doesn't it doesn't read like um, the holy text of you know it certainly does not read like uh, the New Testament nor the uh, Tanakh nor does it read like you know like the the Quran or anything like that. It doesn't even read like any Buddhist text that I'm familiar with. So yeah, and then the one that he wanted Paul to read didn't sound like it was starting off much better either. <laughs> it's just something about you know all life comes from water and it's just uh I do find it interesting that Paul reads the wrong phrase, even though UA just told him what to start reading with. (laughs) Come on, Paul. Well, he's relaxed from his massage. (laughs) Then his teacher came in because his only friends are grownups who work for him. (laughs) This poor kid gets no privacy. I feel really... Yeah, it's just like, you know what? He's 15... He's in a growing body. He needs privacy. Leave him alone for like an hour, for Christ's sake. <laughs> Not <be> fine. ever. <laughs> no, someone is always coming into the room and being like, Paul, what are you doing? Yeah, what are you thinking? You look like you're thinking something. Tell me about that. <laughs> no. <laughs> Poor guy. He just wants to hang out. Yeah. He doesn't want to do homework on his trip. No. He wants to learn about the sandworms because they're cool. Right. Which I like that UA acts like that's ridiculous. Like Paul Paul asks when he's going to be studying on the trip, but it's mostly about like the weather and the Fremen. And he's like, well, is there anything about the sandworms? I'd like to learn about that. That sounds pretty interesting. UA's like, I guess. I've got something <laughs> you can look at, I suppose. I mean, it is literally like the coolest thing about this planet. And <laughs> he's like, ooh, why do you want to know about that? Like, oh, fine, I guess. I'll find you something. I'll find you an educational film. 300 meter worms yeah that doesn't sound interesting at all yeah please tell me about that part (laughs) we do learn Uh, more about the fremen just a little bit uh mostly just that they're good fighters um we did not really touch on for the last chapter how when thufer talks about the fremen it's pretty racist yeah like uh is just being very like kind of factual i mean he's sort of saying you know the, the the men and women and children are all violent, which isn't fantastic. Uh, but yeah, Thufur basically is like, oh, and the Fremen smell. And you, yep. you can't tell if they're men or women because they're all wearing those robes. And it's like, okay, this is great. <laughs> this is a great attitude to take when you uh, move in on this planet. Like, oh, that's fantastic. I think he's just everyone's grandpa, Thufur is. <laughs> Yeah. He doesn't particularly trust women. He's kind of racist. He's gonna tell Paul, you know, something he read. Right. <laughs> something he read on Caladan News. Um I don't know. I and, and we do kind of get also like we didn't really have any indication from chapter two as to why Dr. Yue was the traitor and and in this chapter they he kind of like lays it out in his internal monologue that um you know they have his wife just that very vague detail they have his wife Mm -hmm. and he is desperate to get her back and this is the way that he can and he hates that he's a part of this so you know he is kind of a 
sympathetic villain, I guess. He's not, I wouldn't even really call him a villain. Yeah, but look, listen to like his internal thoughts. Like he says, and, and Yue thought, what am I saying? I play the hypocrite even with myself, which is yeah. like this cagey, dodgy, not revealing sentence. And I'm thinking to myself, this is your thoughts, dudes. You, you, you're actually, <laughs> you should be thinking about your actual plan. You should not be thinking about, oh, coy, I'm going to be coy now with myself as I describe myself as a hypocrite or something. I. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can hear you losing patience. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, 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 you, you misunderstand me. I, I actually really enjoy reading this because it is a little more zany than I thought it was going to be. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know what I expected. I knew that this was a book full of sandworms and blue eyes. Uh, <laughs> so I, 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 I'm happy to see it be kind of zany because I was worried it was going to be um, ponderous. You know, I, I, I was told by everyone that this is, oh, this is this major work of ecological fiction and i'm like mm-hmm. yeah great but uh but no it's it's actually kind of you know zippy and zany and i like that i i do like so he when paul reads the wrong passage the one that was uh ua's wife's favorite and he can't handle it he yells at him he just which, went off and that apparently like really throws paul because i don't think people yell at paul a lot just i don't think ua yells i think that's probably something that he's supposed to be conditioned to not have those sorts of reactions right. but i don't think people yell at paul a lot so right. I think there was that element of it. But I also like the little uh, detail that when Paul like puts the book in his pocket, he was afraid that when Yua yelled at him, he was going to ask for it back, which I think is very <laughs> teen. Like, no, oh, you just gave me this cool book. Like, oh, man, <laughs> he's going to want it back. What a nerd oh. that thinks getting a Bible is cool. <laughs> well, it stirs more of his terrible purpose. Terrible That's purpose. That's true. That is true. The terrible purpose makes another, rears its head again in this chapter. And this is yet another character. Everyone is a member of something. Mm-hmm. You know, no one is just a person. Um, you know, he is, you know, imp- he has imperial conditioning. He's a doctor of the Sook school. So he has, you know, the special ring. He has a tattoo. You know, everyone is a mentat or a swordsman or, and it's not just, you know, Duncan Idaho isn't just a swordsman. Like, he's a very specific kind. Right. And everyone is just you're in something like you're aligned with your house. You're aligned with this group of people. You're aligned with this, you know, sect. Uh, there aren't a lot of just dudes. I mean, I'm sure there are, <laughs> uh, but we don't hear about them whatsoever. They are not really in and amongst the circle. Yeah. But that's, that's also the thing that I've picked up on Herbert's writing throughout what I've read so far is every, every damn sentence is pregnant with meaning. It's like no, <laughs> no one gets to say something just because, that's what they're thinking at the moment. They have to say it because this will clue the reader into the, this very important fact about their allegiance to whatever, or this will clue them into this very important fact about their education or whatever. And and, and every everyone, every line of dialogue that's dropped is like, oh, tell me more about X, you know, and <laughs> that's a kind of a, a heightened style of, of writing that... Um, gets beat out of you if you go to a, a, a writing program. Uh, and, and I'm kind of excited to read it right here. I remember when I, I was in my writing program, I, I did the cardinal sin of I had a character look at a photograph. 
and and oh my god my 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 professor was like you never ever have someone look at the <laughs> photograph to explain their their story that's oh the- dear <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just cannot imagine what she would have done to to Frank, Frank Herbert, <laughs> or me. <Ugh. laughs> it's like the whole plot of my of this book I'm writing right now. <laughs> oh no! Uh-oh. Well, I give up. Time to quit. Let's see. Maybe Fred Meyer is hiring. Um, <laughs> I don't actually care. Um, <laughs> I once ended a, a short story with just the sentence, and then she screamed, and oh boy, I heard about that for about <laughs> the rest of the semester. <laughs> this is not an ending. It's like, it was supposed to be dramatic. And it's like, nope, mm-mm, mm-mm, what is this? Like, <laughs> you didn't know what to baller move, Megan. <laughs> it, was, it was like supposed to be like a horror short story. Like it wasn't supposed to have, you know, I wasn't going to explain it. Lovecraft never had to explain anything. <laughs> Although he should have. No, he definitely should have. Um, but I think that's a lot of. I think that's something interesting that does happen with genre a lot, though. Like I feel mm-hmm. like someone who would who wrote maybe specifically literary fiction would read something like Dune and go, "Oh, oh boy, <laughs> there's too much here, and people are doing too much of this." But I think that's you know it's pretty common in sci-fi and in fantasy and they're different yeah. different apples well that's but of the course... thing is that genre fiction is never going to be like graded on the same curve as literary fiction well mm. it, it shouldn't be though because it's it's criteria are completely different right no i'm saying and thank goodness <laughs> 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 oh boy. Yeah, i mean i enjoy literary fiction but not enough people get you know eaten by giant bugs which happens a lot in many of the books i enjoy reading right so. oh well <laughs> sorry pulitzer prize <laughs> yeah i mean i spent an hour talking with our our last guest from our guest from our last episode brian skinner this morning talking about um a whole chapter in the book in stephen king's it where they do this uh, smoke the smoke lodge ceremony kind of thing and travel back in time yes (laughs) that's like one of the best chapters of any but like most enjoyable chapters of any book i've ever read but it's just like can you i i think about my advanced writing professor in college (laughs) reading that you know her hair would turn white (laughs) but you know you know king does this thing um you know in all of his books where Somewhere around chapter three, you'll get a word or a fragment of a sentence, and then that's going to be written in italics. And then, like oh three chair- chapters later, you get that same <laughs> sentence, but maybe one more word, and it's like this slowly revealed memory or history. Mm-hmm. And you know where he gets that from? He gets that from Faulkner. That's like that's like that uh, putting these fragmented memories into italics. That's right out of. Uh, out of the sound of the fury, and I always, I always love that because I think that that King is, uh, King's a, a pretty, a pretty smart guy. Yeah, if mm-hmm. I, if I liked Faulkner more, I probably would have <laughs> that. But I'm Southern, and I don't like Faulkner. If we, we want to talk about Stephen King. We could do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> Faulkner, I have read. Duh. 
No, I ha- I've read it. That's why I yeah. know I don't like it. <laughs> well, see, I'm I have a, a bachelor's I'm, I... in English. I've read Faulkner. <laughs> right. Now, I, I'm a northerner, so I read all the southern uh, novelists that southern people hate. And you're yeah. a southerner, so you read nor you you Yankee reader writers right. like Stephen King. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is pretty true. I I mean, you know, we've talked about this on your show before, but I mean, I have a small select kind of group of Southern genre writers that I like, but as far as like literary fiction, I kind of steer clear of it. Yeah. But you know, I, I, I hate, I hate to derail this uh, podcast about, uh, about Her- Herbert. Oh, but we're it, well, yeah. we're well used <laughs> to it. But it, it occurs to me as you say this, you know, people are always talking about, you know, Eudora Welty or Flannery O'Connor uh, and and uh, and those people of uh, the yeah. Southern Gothic, like this this horrible mm-hmm. the uh, the 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 South in in decay and all these horrible secrets and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And people don't talk about King as being Northern Gothic. You know, that's about that's about you know, the, basically the same thing about these small towns in New England full of deep dark secrets and the decay of generations and yeah. uh, people don't you know i think that uh there's something there's a double standard here well i mean i think if like a rose for emily for example had been writ- set in maine it w- could have been written by stephen king like people would just assume mm-hmm. oh that's a stephen king story <laughs> yeah but no and i think that you know new england also gets a lot they you know in the sort of 70s there was so much of that sort of you know natural fic- horror fiction of like those sort of wicker man-esque like oh it's a small town in america we mm. just said all that in new england it was always like oh we're driving through connecticut and look and at this picture of Shirley jackson yeah stuff. or uh yeah. harvest home which is yeah. uh by thomas tryon uh that one's also the same thing where it's just like oh look at this picturesque new england town oh they ritualistically murder people <laughs> right but they don't call it like he said you know they don't call it northern gothic and maybe yeah. they should but no only southerners get that title because you know maybe that's just what new england is like i don't know uh, you know i think that it's one of those things where it gets romanticized in such a way that it shouldn't be it's just like this is not a thing that people should enjoy <laughs> my, my actually family is from maine I'll, I'll start asking pointed questions at the next like family get together i'll be like right. hey you guys ever get together as a village and stone someone right <laughs> you can tell me i'm in the family cool. now just, just let me know wink will be like sure when are you coming by yeah <laughs> like what are you talking about megan knows <laughs> uh-oh oops we're totally fine with this ty- type of derailment it's it's good yeah, it, it's... it applies yeah <laughs> And I mean, right, it's a very you... short chapter. <laughs> yeah, we got to fill the fill the time with something. So, I mean, that being said, I think we could probably wrap this up and just say, yeah, it was a short chapter. It was more just people walking into rooms and talking at Paul <laughs> and, you know, kind of telling him what he should be thinking and doing and saying and him kind of being like, mm, maybe, maybe not. And he's excited to see his dad. So. Yeah. Yeah, so well, that's... it was a short chapter, but um, since this is my first read through, I read everything up to this and actually passed it because I wasn't quite sure how you were counting chapters. You told me uh, we were going to be doing the fifth the fifth chapter, and yeah. uh, none of these chapters have numbers, so right. I was yeah. trying to figure you out how to... you were. 
you have to count the epigraphs. <laughs> and so, um, and so, you know, I, I'd say as a, on a first read through, yeah, this is a very slow starting novel and there's a lot of like, I'm going to parade all my characters through one by one, kind of like an old school play where mm-hmm. each character gets to come on and say something and then walk off just so that we get their, their names in our heads. But uh, I'm enjoying it, and I and I and I like that. I like the, I like how odd it is that way. Um, <laughs> Boy, buckle up! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I want I, I want to put a plug in. You know, as long as we're talking about old school science fiction here, um, when I was reading this through, I, the the one thing that was occurring to me was um, the Stanley G. Weinbaum uh, 1939 story, A Martian Odyssey. Which is uh, something of a of a seminal work of science fiction, um, and the reason it occurred to me is this is a uh, Dune is a novel about ecology and about the ecology of a strange planet, mm-hmm. and it has this reputation for getting that right for having this kind of a weird world in which all these things happen together. And um, Amar, how, do you have you either you read a Martian Odyssey? I have not. No. no, it's a it's a short short story. You can probably find a PDF of it online, um, but it's it's a marvelous story about uh, uh, an astronaut who gets <laughs> stranded by contrivance of plot, uh, like four hundred miles away from his spaceship, uh, where all of his crew members are on Mars, and he has to make his way back across the wastes of Mars, and he meets an alien who he calls Twill uh, because he can't pronounce the alien's name. And mm-hmm. it is an amazing uh, short story. Uh, it, it, it's so weird and it's so like a different era of science fiction. Um, like like all, the, all of his co-workers are like the original crew of Star Trek. They're just like one of them is Scottish and one of them is Russian and <laughs> one of them is like, you know, they all, that's their personality is I, I talk with a Russian accent. Or whatever, uh, but but the the actual aliens and the alien life and the ecology of this weird planet are just so vividly imagined and so absolutely fever dream strange uh, uh, that I, I can't I can't recommend recommend it enough as a if you if you're interested in sort of the history of science fiction because it's it's a it's a great story. Okay. Well, I'll see if I can find a link to it, a buy link or a read link and post it in the show notes so people can go read it for themselves. So that is it for that one. We'll just wrap this up. Um, John, thank you so much for being here and uh, giving this a try. And obviously, if there's a chapter you come to later in the book that you really want to talk about, we would love to have you come back on again. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, making it through this novel for the first time, <laughs> and I'm looking forward to listening to what you and your guests have to say about this. This will be exciting to me because it will happen in real time. Yay! Yeah. I'm really excited how many people are, are reading this for the first time. Like, yeah. That's just so, it's so fun. It's so great. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I'm not expecting everyone to end up getting, like, as obsessed with it as I got Yeah. <laughs> when I finally, like, got into it and am still, you know, low-key, not even low-key obsessed. Like, it's still something that I think about pretty much all the time. 
So it's always yeah. good to like, I don't, I hesitate to call it fandom, but it's always good to like bring someone into something that like you love and mm-hmm. talk about it with them, even if they don't love it. I understand. Oh, it's not going to be, be for everybody. <laughs> it's Timothy Chalamet. It'll be fandom now. Oh yeah. I mean, it, as soon as they said Jason Momoa is like, well, forget it. Everyone's going to be wanting this. Yeah. And, and how are you going to feel about seeing all the cosplayers? Oh, that'll I mean, be fun. I, I, I love like, cosplay. Yeah, I, I love cosplay. I like seeing interpretations. I mean, I've been to Dragon Con, which is the big cosplay convention. Like, um, I went like six years in a row or something. And you would see every so often, like, you'd be like, is that a is that a Borg or a Fremen? Oh, okay, that's a Fremen. Cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> you would occasionally see, like, do cosplay. So that, that was always fun. I did see someone's the other day that was it was a god emperor cosplay that was pretty hilarious oh my god emperor. I think that was <laughs> i apologize i believe for saying that <laughs> megan's like i quit don't ever talk to me or my child again no <laughs> um no i actually i will send you a video too because i i have a one um one of the ones I went to, someone actually did the Arulin from the miniseries costume with all the butterflies. Oh, my so God. Wow. I will have to send that to you. Yes, please. I need to see But, that. no, I, I'm looking forward to seeing, like, how people that have no exposure to this and no, like, kind of idea or, or maybe just, like, the smallest idea of what it might be about, like, seeing how people react to it and, you know, how it goes over because... <laughs> It's all going to depend on how it's directed, honestly. So we'll just see. Yeah. And it's always interesting with these sorts of things to see what it is people latch on to. Because it isn't really just, you know, people aren't just going to say, oh, well, you know, Jason Momoa is so hot. I want to see this movie. There will be part of that. But, you know, (laughs) fandom, you know, gets very into just the little intricacies and the nuance. And then there's Mm. just going to be people. I mean, I've already found all the fanfic, but there will be more. Mm Mm-hmm uh more things oh, yeah. for me to send you to go what <laughs> um i look crossover to event uh but just it's sort of sad that i think you know i don't know how popular tumblr is anymore because i bet it'll it would have just oh, in yeah. its heyday it would have been just a non-stop dune party i yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah with this cast and with timothy's sweet little face yeah oscar isaac i know the king of Tumblr. So, um, John, would you like to, where can people find you and your shows online? Uh, as you mentioned, I have a podcast named Sophomore Lit, which you have been on a few mm-hmm. times. Uh, and, and Megan, you too, right? I, I have not. Actually. No, I thought for sure. Maybe, who am I thinking of then? Well, come on the show. Okay. <laughs> okay, just pitch me a book and come on the show. Uh, forgive me i i've done i've been doing this for three years now and i'm i'm an old man and i forget i forget (laughs) who i have on the podcast um and uh i uh do uh clicky cast with uh with my good friend phil gonzalez and we are getting towards the end of uh the the beverly clary oeuvre and we will have to figure out something else to do oh well, well, you know, she's still alive. You can, you can, you can uh, ask her to write a few more books, and maybe we can 
She occasionally does like um, speaking, you know, she'll occasionally do things uh, at Powell's or, you know, just around Portland. You'll see like, you know, an evening with Beverly Cleary. It's just like, oh, how wonderful. And I never go (laughs) because it's late at night and I'm tired. Well, you're right. You're right there. You know, you you, you get to go see the Mm -hmm. uh, the Henry Huggins statue whenever you want to. Yeah, I actually used to live just a few blocks from the park where they have all the statues. Um, and we used to walk down there like all the time. Uh, <sighs> Grant Grant Park is where they have like all the you can see the Ramona and Beza statue and Yeah. Yeah, all it's really I, good. All I do is live in stupid Boston. All we have are Oh yeah. Statues of <laughs> Poe and the uh, Leif Erickson and <laughs> Yeah, oh, we, what a we split that difference here because in Maryland we also get the Poe. Yeah, we're just too, he he crosses all all states. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, listeners, we would love to hear from you and your experiences reading Dune. You can reach us on Twitter at WeirdingPod or at WeirdingPodcast at gmail By the time this goes live, uh, our website should be up. Um, WeirdingPodcast.com. Don't forget to show us your covers and fan art with the hashtag send dunes. We want to see them. <laughs> and there was no, uh, just to keep up the concubine watch, no mention of any concubines this nope, chapter. Nope. So, just Lady Jessica, because she's right. the only one. I don't think it's going to happen. It's not going to happen because it was a retcon. But you can still place your bets. Just mm-hmm. kidding. Okay. <laughs> and there's been no new casting. No new casting news. I I was checking. Slowing to a trickle. Come on. Yeah, I mean, well, there's only a few parts left to cast. So, I mean, aside from all the ocean of extras they're going to need. Well, and also since we don't know yet, you know, how characters will be handled. So, I mean, there could Mm -hmm. be more characters or they could be combining people or cutting people out entirely. So, Mm -hmm. we don't know yet. But they have not told us anything else. I'm kind of wondering if they're if they're not going to cast through fair how it if it's just going to be gurney and he's just going to be like that doesn't sort make of any the, sense at all no because then gurney's I, gonna have to be racist and sexist <laughs> and that won't be, any fun be everything. for anyone yeah i hope uh, they don't do something like that don't put everything on josh brolin's shoulders people so i think that'll do it for this episode which has been very rambly but very enjoyable john thank you for joining us yep thank, thank you. you for having me yeah. Oh. <laughs> and we'll see you all next time. Bye.